Hello, and welcome to another episode of In Excellent Company. In Excellent Company is a people podcast based on personal stories featuring special guests who have trailblazed their way to success. Get ready to be motivated and inspired by leaders that have impacted the lives of many. Check back often as we release new episodes. We have so many great guests lined up, and I know you're going to want to lean into this conversation. You're in excellent company. All right, Charlie, it is Casey. How are you today? Good. I'm better than good. I'm grateful today. I love the name Charlie, by the way. My, I, have, I don't know if you know this. I have a brother-in-law named Charles. His son's Charles, but they go mm. by Chaz and Charles. So I like okay. that you're Charlie. Yeah. And I haven't told you this part, but I have a dog named Charlie. So anyway. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I can still, I fit, I fit into your yeah, You fit into my world. You fit into my world. Well, listen, what a pleasure it is to get to spend some time with you today. Yeah. Uh, you know, my goal has always been for an excellent company uh, and you qualify big time for an excellent company. You've got an amazing background and uh, a skill set and just insight. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to talk about leadership today, turning teams around. Mm-hmm. Um, so can, can you, let's start off with, what do you think the most important attributes are of successful leaders? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, I've had great leaders and I've had leaders who I thought, you know, could develop a little bit. But uh, I think you have to be willing to lead from the front in this day and age. I mean, your folks need to understand that you are going to, if you need to, model for them what good, what good looks like when you're in front of a customer. So if you're not willing to do that and just willing to sit over their shoulder and grade them and give them feedback about what they're doing wrong, I think, I think you lose the opportunity to connect with people, which I also think good leaders treat their folks as people first and as sales reps second. I mean, you have to get to know your people, right? You have to be able to understand what motivates them and what, what, what things you can do to inspire them. And that's another thing. I think a lot of our leaders these days manage people, but have lost the idea of how to inspire them. So you have to be willing to inspire people and you have to know a little bit about them personally in order to, you know, hit those buttons that they're inspired by. And, you know, I would say also accountability. People think of accountability as a negative thing, but, and one thing that, you know, I experienced, you know, at Optinos is there was not a lot of accountability, you know, being exercised with this, with the sales force. And we, and we totally worked on that. And to me, it's an easy thing. If, if you set the appropriate expectations and you get commitments from people around those expectations, then it makes it very easy to hold them accountable. Heck, you could actually, you know, do that in any area of your life. If you, you know, set appropriate expectations. Get the commitment. The commitment is key, right? Because mm-hmm. you said you wanted to do this. You said you wanted to be this individual. Then you can always hold people accountable and you, you should be willing to share that accountability with them. I'll do anything I can to help you. So I would say those things. I would say making sure that you're leading from the front, willingness mm-hmm. to you know show people what good looks like and treat them as people. And, uh, and they'll, they'll, they'll run through a wall for you, but you have to hold them accountable. So you know, it's so interesting that you said that. And I, I like that you opened up. We've had good leaders and bad leaders because, oh, my, have I had good leaders and bad leaders. <laughs> yeah. And I have learned as much from the bad leaders as the good ones. You know, right. like, I don't want to ever do that. I want to avoid being like that because yeah. ultimately, and I could not agree more, is people want to feel um, valued, right? Yeah. You said get to know them. Yeah. And unfortunately, the bad leaders, they don't get to know them. And people immediately reject them. And yeah. so when you start rejecting your boss, 
it doesn't matter how much um, expectations you put on them, they're going to reject it. And so I applaud you. I love that you said and lead from the front. Yeah. And to that, and to that point, you have to be consistent and your people have to see you being consistent. Like you'll, you'll probably have performers. You'll probably have a middle, middle of the road people, and then you'll have some low performers, but it doesn't mean you can't treat them the same. You have to, when it comes to execution of the job now, you may treat your top performers differently when it comes to things that you need from them or, you know, what you request and how you make them send in things to you. I mean, you, you treat your performers maybe differently than your low performers, right? Because the low performers sometimes need more attention in some areas. Uh, but to, at the same time, they've got to see consistency out of you. You can't mm-hmm. change because they're doing poorly and treat them poorly as opposed to you treating them, you know, everyone who's doing well, you treat like, oh, so wonderfully and you fall at their feet. So there has to be consistency there. So I know I asked you what are the most successful attributes. Let's sort of go the opposite. Yeah. What qualities do you think are missing today among leaders uh, in general? You know, I think as if you if you choose to lead people, then you've got to be willing to try to inspire them. I think we have a lot of managers who are great at handing out direction, but if you're not focusing on the why, and I think that sometimes our leaders these days don't focus on the why. I mean, people want to know the why. Why will this why will this benefit me? Why, why would I want to do this? And what's the, what's the possible outcomes that, that can happen? So in that respect, I would say, you know, well, what did I say? What did I say that was? I just lost my train of thought. So you said um, that they don't inspire them. Yeah. So, okay. Right? So it's, they manage, them. they manage, they provide direction versus inspiring. But at the same time, I think leaders have to always be developing themselves. I mean, if we're asking people to step out of their comfort zone and do things differently, um, then we've got to be willing to do that ourselves. And if you don't, if there's not evidence of that, things that you're doing, I remember, I remember uh, leading a team recently where on my town hall calls every single week, I would try to bring them something from the outside world. It wasn't all pharmaceutical related. It was things that I was learning in books that I was reading and I was sharing it with them. So as I was going along this path of self-development, I was sharing things with them that I was learning. And I think a lot of our leaders these days think, think that when they get to a certain level, that they don't have time for self-development. All they have time for is making sure they go out there and ride with their people and you know, got to hit these numbers. But if you're not growing yourself, then how in the world can you ask your people to grow? And if we're not growing, all we're doing is dying. So that's a, that's a big thing to me. I think leaders sometimes, poor leaders can't prioritize well. You have to prioritize the right things that you want your people to be doing at that time. And that can change over time. And if you're not prioritizing well, you could absolutely miss opportunities in the marketplace or with your people to take advantage of. And so I think that prioritization is also something that has to be. And I think poor leaders have, a tr- have trouble with that. And then I'd say, lastly, there's a lot of folks who can give you feedback, right? You can give people feedback about what they're doing, whether it's good or bad, but how well can you coach? I think a lot of our leaders need to invest in coaching as opposed to just, you know, telling people what to do or giving them feedback. There's, I love it because whenever I ask, I'll ask reps during interview process, hey, tell me what you think of good leaders do or what bad leaders do. And the number one thing they say is they don't tell me any of the good I'm doing. They only tell me all the bad that they just saw in that call. So I'd say you have to be willing to do both. And that's what coaching is. So I think there's a lack in coaching skill in, in a lot of the leaders that I see today. So could not agree more. You know, as I've gotten to know you and I'm learning, um, and first of all, I love the fact you just said, 
that you're personally always looking at growing as a leader, that's the sign of a great leader. Because the minute you think you know it all is the minute that is the beginning of the end of your career, in my opinion. Right. The arrogance exactly. is going to drive people away. Yeah. But the piece I loved is uh, you remember the old days, our parents, I'm going to say our parents, I might be older than you, but our parents were told, here's what you need to do. And they just did it. Mm-hmm. Now, people want to when not just be told what to do, but to be led and mm-hmm. to actually let them have a voice. And exactly. letting them have a voice does not make a leader weak. It actually empowers the person to be more successful, right? As you said, right. taught to coach and yeah. very few leaders are great coaches. Yeah. And let, and let me add to that because I think a, a huge th- a huge element that leaders miss these days is letting their people know that it's okay to fail. Like if you fail, you learn from that. The only way, I mean, if, if everything goes good for you and you're successful, what do you really learn? You don't add to yourself, but adversity and challenge that brings addition to you. you. You become more enriched when you battle through those times. So I think mm-hmm. a great way to do that as a leader is share your own failures with your people. Right? Don't mm-hmm. be afraid to say, hey, look, I just, I, I really screwed this one up, gang, but, uh, but I'll do better. And, and it, it shows them that you're willing to admit your own failures. And I've seen this happen in, in, in people that I've leading and leading these teams, then they're not, they're not afraid to share their own failures with you. So mm-hmm. it opens that door and they see that they're like, Oh man, he's really, he's practicing what he's preaching here. He's, he's letting us know that he just stubbed his toe in that situation. So yeah. that's one thing I think that's missed. Well, you know, the, I, I use these two words often and I mean them sincerely. And I love how you positioned it. It's called fail forward. We're all yeah. going to fail. We're all going to miss the mark. We're all going to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. You got to learn from it, grow from it, move on and don't beat exactly. yourself up. And exactly. so to give people permission to fail, yes, gives them permission to actually get more creative, more innovative and to do things outside the ordinary. Yeah, exactly. And so how do you grow as a leader? I mean, specifically, you mentioned that you are studying slash always looking at growing. Yeah. There- yeah, I do a lot of reading. I'm a voracious reader. And yeah, I mean, I literally I think. I actually have on, I, have, I keep a list on a document of all the books I've read over the last few years. I think I've read 30 books in the last year and all very good books in my opinion, but I take from those books and I mm-hmm. share with my people. And I tell you, I've actually put together Angela Duckworth's book, Grit. I put together a three-part series for my team that focused on why you want to work on your craft. When you deliberately practice what you do, you refine things and get better. There's this epidemic in, pharm- in the pharmaceutical industry that mm-hmm. people don't want to work on their craft. They think that, oh, I went through training. I know the product. I don't, I'll, I'll learn in the field. Well, no, you won't anymore because you get these little snippets of time. Sometimes they're virtual. We don't get time with people like we used to. So if they're not working on their craft, then they could really get stale and fall behind. And those are just some of the things I love. I love reading and then sharing with people. I listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Mel Robbins has a podcast right now about reinventing yourself. I don't know if you've heard that fantastic podcast. Okay. Um, and I, and I ask a ton of questions when I'm with other leaders, I ask a ton of questions about how they do what they do. And that adds to me. And so I learned so much as mm. I realize how much there is to learn. I just never, I just can never stop. So I, I, I really have an appetite for cur- I'm curious a lot and, uh, and I'm not mm. afraid to say, Hey, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. Would you mind helping me? Or I don't know what that acronym means. I, I ask a ton of questions and invariably, I think that helps me with my own personal growth. I mean, how, like I said earlier, how can you ask your own people to grow if, if, you're not, if they're not seeing evidence of your own growth? You and know, I, the think- one that I gotta just jump in. I, the one thing about you that I just love, and you just said it, and whether you realize or not, anybody listening in, you're voracious at learning. 
and helping other people learn. And I really, I believe that's a quality that's missed by so many managers. I'm going to put it in air quote managers, leaders, because if you think about it, Charlie, right, we all sort of got promoted somewhere in our life because we were a good performer. I mean, you don't get promoted unless you are decent at what you do. Right. But when you hit that management role, leadership role, where most people learn is from the old leaders that they that were leading them. And most of them were not extraordinary. Right. Most. There's some that are amazing. So you hope to take those great qualities and avoid the bad ones. But I got to really challenge anybody listening in because that's my tendency is to always make people hopefully think a question going, am I a voracious reader? Uh, am I a voracious at growing and learning? I mean, a fan- I use the word fanatic. I like fanatic because it's like <laughs> a, a, you're an unusually um, passionate yeah. about a topic. And so, maniacal, maniacal. Yeah. And, yeah, and you're a maniacal leader. And I say that with <laughs> the greatest compliment because I, I recognize you in me where you're like, oh, my people can't fail because I own it. Right. I own whether or not they don't make it. So I'm mm-hmm. going to give them and pour into them and, and teach them and guide them, not tell them what to do, as you said, coach yeah. them and inspire them. All right. So I have to, I have to ask a question because based on your leadership, yeah. do you have an uh, example of a team maybe that you took over um, and that you turned them around and can you say how you did it? And I don't know if you have an example. Yeah, sure. Um, I have a great example. I, uh, as, as a, as a regional business director, I had a group that was ranked. I took over the team, and they're ranked nine, nine out of eleven in in the in the country, and they were also very discouraged at the time. That yeah. you know, and they didn't really see a way out. And it's funny because what I did, the first thing I did was tell them, let's not focus on the numbers. Just don't focus on any numbers that you see. Don't worry about where we're ranked because if you trust me, we're not going to be ranked here for long. And so I had them focus on what they could control. Focus on practicing the right behaviors, the right amount of times to the right targets so that they can actually start doing the things that are necessary to be successful. And we always, we talked about those things and it, it really, sometimes it meant stepping out of your comfort zone. I, I love asking people, you know, how long you've been in this industry? And they're like, oh, 20, 25 years. I've been doing this a long time. I've been doing this a long time. Okay. Well, I got news for you. Probably three fourths of that experience is outdated and won't work today. So you've really been in this industry about five years with the way it looks now. So letting people know that you have to be willing to do things differently. Mm. And, and I was always focusing on the why. Always, why is this important for you? What is the benefit that this, and you can't just tell them one time. You have to continuously stand in, in the pulpit and let them know these things lead to success. So, and another thing, and I think about this group in particular, uh, there needed to be a boldness factor. And I think you become bold when you're prepared and you're confident. So mm-hmm. a, a real big, like we would have situations weekly where we talk about, you know, clinical trials. We'd make sure that they, any questions they had, we'd make sure we were constantly hammering the messaging, hammering the patient type. So I wouldn't just tell them one time. And I think that gets missed these days is sometimes you think that good leadership is letting someone know that they need to do things differently. No, good leadership means telling them that and then showing them that throughout the the days, the months, and the years that you spend with them. This team started nine out of eleven, and to me, t- they finished three out of third out of three out of eleven. So, wow! Is, I mean, moving a team. So we didn't win, right? We didn't win, but they moved all in the confidence it built in them. That was that was the key. The so that was in a year you were able to take them from nine to third. Yeah. yeah. So in my opinion, that, that's that's a heck that's of a, a ride. huge win. Huge win because yeah. what things that are incalculable uh, in that is you retain them. You right. can help them gain self-confidence. 
you help them become proud of themselves. Uh, I got to tell you, because to me, the success is not always in the numbers, but of course, that's how we all get measured. And we should get measured, right? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. how much money you make, how many sales right. calls, et cetera. But the reality is, is you're impacting the lives of the people that they live with every day, their families. And so <laughs> kudos to you. You know, my goal has to always been transform every life I touch. Um, yeah. yeah. Whatever arena, me, but. And let me add, let me add to that too. I think my purpose I've found over time is helping people really optimize these talents and skills that they've been blessed with. I and mean, hmm. there's nothing more frustrating to me than when I see someone who has a lot of talent, who just thinks that they just want to get by, you know, it's like honor these skills that you've been given and work your tail off to maximize them. And what they find is they really don't have to work that hard if they're super talented, but they do have to commit, right? They have to commit hmm. to making sure that they're utilizing these talents and skills. And I know, you know, like I mentioned grit earlier, but you know, Performance is one part talent, one part skill, and two parts work ethic. So if you're not working hard, and, and I'll tell you in the interview process, I'm always, I used to look for people who were super talented, performance, right? That kind of gets you in the door. But I want to know how you've overcome adversity. Let me know. I don't care if it's personal, professional. How did you deal with a huge thing that occurred to you? And how did, what was your process in moving through that? And, and I, I've found that the people who have been, who have been able to overcome adversity in their life, Mm. Those are the people that when the chips are down, I'll tell you, I had a team during COVID that, uh, I mean, really were shocked. They were shocked by what happened. Everybody was, they knew they were gonna have to totally change what, how they did business. Anybody can win when things are going smoothly, but that team was region of the year during COVID. And it's because they committed to doing whatever it took. So we have to be virtual. We have to be in person. We have to follow by these rules, but they completely owned it and they were rewarded. I was so proud of them. I mean, mm. To, to be the region of the year at, at Optinos when all the chips were down and we had to absolutely change, our cheese got moved. <laughs> so we had to absolutely change how we did things. And I was so proud of them, how they respond. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So let's, uh, let me, my last question for you. Yeah. Um, what's one thing today that makes you most proud beyond that Optinos team? But uh, you can pick anything you want. One thing that makes you most proud. I'm going to go personal then. If you don't, okay. if that's okay. Absolutely. So, so my son is 17 years old and uh, he has a best buddy who's, they're both seniors in high school now. They came to me last year and they said, Hey dad, or he said, Hey dad, would you be willing to come out with us on Easter to this place? And uh, we want to watch the sunrise and we just want to, we want to turn this into like something we do. We just want to go to this place. Well, and I said, sure, I'll go with you. Like checked out 545, the sun rose. And we sat there and I said, well, let's take advantage of this mall. What are we grateful for? And they, they started telling me what they're grateful for. And they asked me, hey, we should do this more often. So we, uh, we actually now have this thing called the Lion's Den, where they come. They also have invited two friends each now. So it's six young men, 17 years old, who come to the Lion's Den. And we read, like we read Atomic Habits by James Clear. We read Good Vibes, Good Life by, by uh, I think it's Vex King. Yeah, what a great name, Vex King. And, uh, and now we're, into, we're going into the Four Agreements by Miguel, Don, or Miguel Ruiz. So we read a little bit, we talk about it, we talk about our weeks, and then we watch a movie. So it's, and we went through, we went through the whole gamut, Braveheart, A Few Good Men, I mean, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but this is an opportunity for them to come and share their challenges, share their successes, and we all talk about it as a group and they love it. I never would have thought that they would be so into it, and they are. They, like when I'm, when I travel, I would, they'd be like, dad, when are we, when are we, Let's do the Lions King virtually. Let's, why don't we hop on a call and do Lions? I go, 
Okay, let's do Lions End virtually then. Let's do it. And uh, it's been amazing. And I'm really proud of that, that these, I never had anybody in my life like that. My dad, I barely saw my dad when I was in high school. But this is a time in an era where we have to be pouring into our kids with all of the distractions and temptations out there to do the convenient thing or the wrong thing. Uh, mm. To be able to speak to these young men in this in this type of an environment is I, I get more out, way more out of it than they do. Well, at least I'm I think I do. I think I get so much more out of it. Than they do. Okay, so Charlie, if I had boys, mm. I'd be tapping you on the shoulder right now, saying, "Help <laughs> me pour into my children." I have girls, yeah. but yeah. what a blessing you are. And that you may not know this, but I raised two nephews for um, quite a period of time. My husband's mm -hmm. sister's kids okay. and for nine years. And uh, I found out now, I wish I'd known then, that when there are five adults that are not the parents in mm -hmm. a child's life that are pouring mm -hmm. into them, their odds of success are 100%. Really? Off the charts. And so huh. I've been calculating for my daughters like my sister, uh, my their old Nene, what we call Nene. And I go through and go, do I have five adult females pouring into mm -hmm. my children? And mm -hmm. so I applaud you what you're doing beyond your son and extending yourself. And you should be really proud, really proud of that. Yeah. Well, and you know, there's, there's also, so if I'm going to be completely transparent, one of the sure. boys, their father is like, why do you go to this lion's den? Why do you do that? I mean, you're not going to learn anything from him. I mean, well, I don't know what, and so mm. the young man is like trying to tell him, come to the, come to the lion's den and see what we do. And he won't come. It's like, have him come, let, you know, let him be a part of it. And he'll see what we go through, how we talk about how to live right and make good decisions and how making good decisions today is going to, it can set you up for such success down the road because just one or two things where you go South and your whole life could be over. I mean, your whole, as you know, it, you, you literally could be going down a spiraling path that you can't recover from. So I'm always telling these guys, do the right, make the right decision in every situation and you cannot lose. So you know, proud what? of that. We're all, we are all, all, not just kids, one decision away from changing right. and radically changing our life forever. Exactly. And for you to pour in in the teenage years when they are the most vulnerable, in my opinion, uh, I just applaud you. Thank you. Good for you. Good yeah, for you. I love it. <laughs> um, all right, well, um, let me just say thank you. Yeah. Charlie, my Charlie, when I see exactly. my Charlie, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I enjoy you. I mean, ever since we first chatted on the phone, I was like, man, Casey, you are a juggernaut. Like, and you uh, really, and I see you always on your posts and stuff like that. And I, and I, that's why I was saying, Hey man, can I get that interview back? I would love to. And then let's do another one. I'm like, you're going to do another one with me. Like I always would see people you were talking to and I get jealous. I'd go, Oh, I wish listen, that was me. <laughs> listen, you know what, Charlie? I get the privilege, and I'm saying it is a privilege. I have so many friends that are C-suite and leaders all over the country and the world. Yeah. And I'm blessed by these friendships. And but when I meet somebody that I go, oh my God, they're special. Mm -hmm. And that's where I put you in that category going, man, there's very few executive leaders like yourself who you. absolutely lead from the front, inspire their people, care for them, value them, and don't say go do it, but teaches them how and the why. I mean, yeah. you're unique. And I want you to know anybody listening in, if I'm going to tell you, Charlie, you're the, you're, you're the real deal. And so Thank kudos you. to you for what you've done for all the successes in your career. Um, I'm all, I'm one of your biggest fans. Thank and you. there's so many nuggets. I didn't know the part about the lion's den. And it, <laughs> of course, resonates for me because I'm like, I knew he was the real deal and he's a great yeah. guy. 
We have awesome. a logo and everything. How often do you meet? How often do you guys meet? Well, during the summertime, we were meeting two and three times a week. And then during school, it's a little bit tougher, but we do sure. reserve for the, reserve for the weekends. And the weekends are at 8 a.m. on Saturday and Sunday because it, it forces them not to be out doing goofy stuff, but but getting making sure they get home, get a good night's sleep because the lion's den is important. So we usually we'll do it at eight, either one of the two days. So it's got less time we've done it, but it still keeps going and it's going strong. Okay, so um, the lion's den, I love yeah, it. Yeah, we have a yeah, it's great. I love it. We uh, we're gonna start a podcast. Are you? We're just gonna yeah, we're gonna just call it the lion's den and basically just have it recording on anchor as we just go through the lion's den. It's gonna be sweet. All right, you let me know when it gets up and running. I'll do yeah, I what I can to help you because I think yeah. uh, you're just an extension of what uh, men in this country need. Young thank boys, you. I'm going to call it young boys. Um, yeah. But congratulations on that. And thank you yeah. so much for spending a few minutes with me. I have no doubt when people listening into this podcast will say, okay, there is something to be learned and things I need to do differently. Yeah. So, thank God you. I appreciate bless the you. opportunity. Yeah. Thank you. I'll oh, take it. <laughs> what a privilege. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right. Have a great day, my dear. Are you out? I'm out. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. You're so welcome. All right. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to join us again. And don't forget to check back for new episodes of In Excellent Company, a Zenix podcast. You can download our episodes wherever you love to listen to your podcasts or on our website at zenix.com slash in excellent company. See you next time.